Welcome to In the Active Side, the podcast where you meet the brightest minds in the fields of biocatalysis and biotransformation. My name is Christoph Winkler and I'm co-hosting this podcast with Matthias Pickel. We're both scientists in the Elk Growing Graz who will host the upcoming Biotrans 2021 conference. Hello everyone. Today we have the pleasure to talk to Dr. Christopher Prier, who works as Associate Principal Scientist at Merck in New Jersey and who will give an invited lecture at this year's Biotrans. Welcome, Chris. It's a pleasure to have you here. Hey, Christoph. Hey, Matthias. I'm happy to be here. Also here with us is my co-host, Matthias. Welcome in the active site again, Matthias. Yeah, it's great to be here again, Christoph, uh, in the middle of the active site. It's great to have you, Chris, and uh, welcome also from my side. So, Chris, you started your academic career at the University of Pennsylvania, where you studied chemistry and biochemistry. Then you joined the famous Macmillan lab in Princeton, where you worked on photoredox catalysis. In between, there was your first contact with Merck in an internship. Since we are talking about your time as a graduate student, what are the best lessons you took from your PhD advisor relationship that you find yourself applying and reproducing in your own career years later? Mindsets, mantras, work habits could, you also, uh, could also be ways not to be a mentor if you care to share. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I, I learned a lot from, um, from, from Dave, from Dave McMillan, who I did my PhD with. Um, yeah, I was thinking about this question. One thing that stands out to me is just um, how much he encouraged everyone in his group to be ambitious, uh, to try things that are unusual um, and, and outside the norm. Um, You know, it was, it was pretty cool to be involved doing photoredox catalysis in that lab. Um, I was able to get involved when that was still kind of an early field. Um, you know, Dave had, had started his career doing mostly focusing on organocatalysis and then um, started moving into this unusual light stuff. And it was unclear if anybody wanted to use radicals or if anyone would use visible light to do reactions. Um, but he, um, you know, I think saw the, saw the potential and... Um, you know, that, that field has really exploded. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, way, way in which he encouraged us all to, uh, to try some really unusual things has definitely stuck with me. And, you know, it encouraged me to move into other areas as well in my own career and then continue to keep exploring new things. Yeah, you definitely did. You, you switched into uh, the Francis Arnold Lab in Pasadena as a Riesnick Fellow, as you were heavily involved uh, in photo uh, redox chemistry before, uh, what was it that intrigued you to go on this completely different route to California to learn directed evolution? Yeah, yeah. So for my next step, I, I, I wanted to get into biocatalysis and protein engineering. Um, I don't know if it's if it's all that different. Um, I, I think in in my career, I've been interested in catalysis and, and interested in different modes and types of catalysis. Um, and when you're interested in catalysis, it's hard not to be inspired by enzymes and excited about them and, and to see kind of the power of what they do, especially compared to, um, uh, compared to, to chemocatalysis, which I was a little more familiar with. Um, so I had, you know, I had an interest in, in biochemistry for a while. I had studied some of it in college, um, ultimately decided not to do that for a PhD, but, but knew that I kind of really did want to, to do that in a postdoc. Um, and yeah, going to work with Francis, I mean, that was an incredible opportunity. Um, 
she was also at that point getting into this um, uh, non-natural chemistry, uh, in particular using heme-dependent enzymes, and so there was a chance to, to do some synthetic methodology there, and that also seemed like a good fit for me. Like That seemed like a way to learn something new, but also potentially bring, uh, bring what I knew uh, to that group as well. Yeah, it was uh, apparently definitely a successful stay. But after two years in the Arnold lab, uh, you switched to industry as a senior scientist at your current company. You talk with a lot of people who used a successful postdoc to pursue an academic career. Since many postdocs at this stage are also pondering if they shall abandon academia or not, could you tell us your experience and the reasons for your career choice? Yeah, the, the academic versus industry decision. Um, I was, I was definitely thinking about, about both directions. Um, industry ended up appealing to me a little more. Um, there, there were some personal reasons for it, um, but I was also kind of just thinking about what I wanted to do research-wise. I knew I wanted to stay doing research. I knew I wanted to be at a chemistry and biology interface, um, and that's kind of where I've, where I've tried to stay. Um, and I... I you know, if, if I could find a way to apply biocatalysis and apply it to big challenges, I thought that would be a really interesting thing to do. Um, and it turned out that it looked like there was a way to do that in industry. Um, you know, and in particular, looking at Merck, I knew they were um, investing a lot in biocatalysis and protein engineering at that time. And so that seemed like a, uh, a uh, pretty attractive uh, place to be. And I was, I was lucky that it all, that it all worked out. And it was a nice chance to come back to the East Coast as well. Um, so you spent some time in Francis Arnold's lab, and uh, now you're at Merck, a company who com uh, contributed substantially to the recent success of biocatalysis in pharmaceutical industry. Um, so thinking back to your time in Francis Arnold's lab, and also now uh, in, at your position where you apply uh, things at larger scale, do you consider the concept of directed evolution? Uh, as a game changer for the for biocatalysis in um, industry or for the assessment of biocatalysis in industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to apologize. I think my neighbor is uh, using some some. You know, they might be mowing, mowing their lawn or something. I hope the noise isn't coming through. Um, yeah. So is is directed evolution a game changer? I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's critical to everything that we're doing in biocatalysis. Um, it, you know, if, if you were just limited to the enzymes that are out there or to wild type enzymes, it would be very, very difficult to build industrial processes where the demands are, are very high, um, where the, you know, where you need an enzyme that is suitable, uh, that is very high activity, suitable for industrial conditions. It's just not something that you're going to be able to find without a lot of protein engineering. Um, and it also, you know, really changes the way that we think about um, putting together routes and, and approaching uh, process chemistry. Um, you know, instead of instead of limiting ourselves to enzymes that could do a particular reaction, you can just ask, might it be possible to make an enzyme that will do this transformation? And that totally expands the way you think about things. Um, and it, it allows you to go after some, some much more difficult transformations go after things that haven't really been shown and and know that because we have this this incredible way to engineer proteins that it, it may actually be possible to make these new catalysts um, and it and it you know remarkably has, has turned out that way over and over 
Um, Merck provided several outstanding biocatalytic routes towards APIs uh, that were major talking points in the community in the recent years. Uh, one recent example, and we heard about this at the, at the last Biotrans, was the production of Islatravir in a fascinating multi-step cascade reaction. Do you consider these successes isolated instances, or is biocatalysis an integral part of synthesis planning at Merck? Um, or would you personally, or also the company, rather rely on chemocatalysis in most cases? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little biased coming from the biocatalysis group, but, but I think we are um, pretty integral. Um, the the Zlatrovir ca case is a, a you know, really remarkable cascade, but you know, not, not an isolated incident. Um, we have a, a large biocatalysis and protein engineering group, and we're trying to work on problems um, you know, all across Merck's pipeline. Um, doesn't mean biocatalysis is the answer to every problem. There's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of problems where it's where it's not the best fit. Um, but we you know see opportunities in in a lot of um, a lot of ongoing programs at Merck. Um, we're definitely you know and and we're definitely still thinking in terms of cascades like that is Latrobier cascade. We're thinking about ways that we can construct these multi-enzyme sequences. Um, uh, build build enzymes for chemistries that we haven't used before, and um, yeah, we, we want to use that as the yeah launching board for for even more. Um, maybe let's pick one enzyme class. Uh, at the recent meeting, you gave a nice lecture about work on alpha ketoglutarate dependent oxygenases. Um, we wanted to ask you if you consider the loss of a succinate molecule per turnover of the enzyme, uh, a downside of the enzyme, uh, for example, regarding the process's uh, atom economy. And do you see measures to overcome this obstacle? So what is your take on this enzyme class? Sure, yeah. I, uh, so the, the iron 2 and alpha-ketoglutarate dependent oxygenases, I love those enzymes. I think they're great. Um, it, yeah, the question about atom economy, I think, um, yeah, I think atom economy, I think it's a useful way to think about synthetic efficiency, to think about how green your process is, um, but it's it's not everything. Um, I think you have to look at, you know, overall um, the efficiency of your synthesis, whether that step enables you to uh, cut down on the total step count. Um, and and I think that, that often these kind of um, CH functionalizations can do that. Um, and so... Um, yeah, I think you also you also have to think about the um, like the availability, the cost of the reagents that you're using, and in that regard, alpha ketoglutarate is is certainly uh, widely available, and I think not an issue. So, um, I think it's actually a very attractive reaction system, um, even though that that alpha ketoglutarate needs to be stoichiometric. You generate a stoichiometric amount of succinate, so you need to be able to purify away from that. Um, but but overall, the reaction system is really pretty simple. That um, some ascorbate, some iron, dirt cheap, um, and, and air, it, it really doesn't get a lot simpler than that for an aerobic oxidation. Yeah, very nice. Uh, maybe a uh, more broad question. So computation, computation or uh, artificial intelligence is expected to change uh, many aspects of biocatalysis. The expectations are high. Uh, however, 
uh, applications are still scarce. So do you think this will revolutionize our field or are the expectations that we have in computational methods just too far-fetched? Yeah, computational sciences. I'm, so I'm certainly not the expert. I'm definitely a wet lab experimental kind of person myself. Um, but I'm pretty excited about it. Um, you know, I definitely think we're, we're not there yet in terms of a lot of the things we'd like to use computation for. Um, I, would, I would love to be able to just put a reaction into a computer and, and have it design an enzyme for me or evolve an enzyme um, and pick out the best mutations. And, and we're certainly not there, but it seems like the field is, is moving in that direction. Um, there are also potential uses for um, uh, enzyme discovery, for making predictions about enzyme activity. Um, and we are, we are uh, trying to um, employ those tools here as well. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of promise. So when you look at the recent output on papers in the field of biocatalysis, is there an aspect of biocatalysis where you have the feeling academic researchers shall put more attention to? That's, that's kind of hard. Uh, an area that I think researchers should focus more on. Um, yeah, I think there's... I, I think there are, there are a few areas that, that interest me. Um, I think biosynthesis um, still holds you know, an incredible amount of chemistry that we don't know about. It's really fascinating to read um, new papers about unusual biosynthetic pathways. Um, and, and sometimes you just have to be amazed by what enzymes are out there and what they do. Um, and it seems like there's no lack of unusual things that we keep finding out about. And I think that's going to be a really rich, rich area for biocatalysis um, and these more applications oriented, oriented areas to draw on for a long time. So. I'm really excited about that. Um, I think metabolic engineering is really interesting as well. Um, you know, it, we have a you know um, a really strong interest in cascades, like you mentioned, um, and in kind of building these these large pathways. Um, we mostly do that. Uh, we like to call it ex vivo, um, but uh, I think really actually realizing the dream of, of building cell factories for every different kind of product that you want to produce is an, is an amazing um, uh, dream with a, with a lot of challenges, but I'm, I'm very excited to watch uh, developments in that area. One common motive, at least in Europe, is a change towards a more green and sustainable chemistry. Do you consider biocatalysis is already up for the task to substantially contribute to that change? To, to be a green technology, absolutely, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I absolutely view biocatalysis as a green and sustainable technology. Um, and, and again, I think it's, it's uh, some of that is down to the, the resources that it uses, um, the, the mildness of its conditions, but a big part of it is how you can really streamline synthetic routes, um, really do things a lot faster um, it's the selectivity that you get, the elimination of, of purifications. Um, and then, you know, we're, uh, you know, again, I'm thinking about cascades, the ability to string multiple steps together, um, can have a, can have a big impact on, on process chemistry. So, um, absolutely. I, I think it's definitely, a, a key technology, at least in our area, 
um, for achieving greener and more sustainable synthesis. Uh, you know, something else I think will be really interesting to see is, is how biocatalysis can be employed outside of pharma um, and in uh, larger scale chemical synthesis um, in, uh, in other areas where the um, value of the products is a little bit lower and the demands of the process are even higher. I think that'll be a, a challenge for the field. Um, yeah, that's great to hear also from an industrial perspective. So imagine you and your team are hiring a young postdoc or someone which recently graduated. So could you tell us, what kind of people are you looking for? Which aspects of a CV gets your attention? Is it the publications, internships? Sure. Yeah. Um, we're interested in all types of people. Um, and uh, our group is made up of people from all kinds of different um, you know, backgrounds, both scientifically and, and not scientifically. Um, you know, something, something key that we look for is, is innovation. Um, some, um, uh, some, some background of having created something new, of having, um, demonstrated some new ideas and some creativity. Um, yeah, I don't think we look for people coming out of a, out of a particular, a, you know, a group or, or doing a particular type of science. Um, there are a lot of different um, uh, areas of, of chemistry that we work in at Merck, and um, people that come here get to learn a lot of different things. Um, so we're, we're looking for people who are creative, fun to work with, um, good, good team members. I think the same people you'd want to work with. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Um, we now come to the quiz, quick question round. So these are surprise questions to you. Um, and let's start with the one that I like the most. Chris, what is your favorite enzyme or your favorite enzyme family? My favorite enzyme? Oh, you're gonna you're gonna make me pick. Um, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the uh, I'll go with the alpha ketoglutarate dependent enzyme. It's, it's hard. There's some there are some runner ups, but I'll go with yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. There are lots of amazing enzyme families out there. Mm -hmm. um, Chris, what do you expect from a good paper? A good paper? Um, something unexpected. Something that I didn't know was possible before. Mm -hmm. What is a scientific no-go for you? Something you don't like to see in a, in a paper or something you don't like to hear in a talk? A scientific no-go. Um, oof. Uh... Maybe, maybe you could call it a, a pet peeve. Um, I, I don't like it when people call their, uh, call their chemistry magic. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's, uh, it's the physical world. It's, it's not magic. Um, yes, it's science. It's science. Yeah. yeah. Um, next question is about reviewers. So what was the nicest reviewer comment or maybe the worst reviewer comment that you ever got? Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, it's always nice to get the people who say you don't need to make revisions. I mean, that's rare, but um, always always makes things easy. Um, no, yeah, it's, it's it's always nice to see somebody um, uh, uh, comment well on your work. Um, I don't I, have, I don't think I've had any like nightmare reviewers so far, so I've been pretty lucky in that regard. Um, last quick question. How do you spend your time when you're not thinking about science? 
Yeah. Um, when I, yeah, when I'm not thinking about science, um, yeah, I've been, yeah, the, the past year has been unusual, definitely. Um, but I've been, uh, I like to get uh, outside a lot. I um, hike, bike, um, been gardening a bit, um, spending time with people. Yeah. So unfortunately, Chris, we're not able to meet in person this summer here in Graz, but uh, it was nice to getting to know you here uh, in our podcast. Thanks for the nice interview. And I'm looking forward to meet you at least digitally then this summer at the Biotrans. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And it's, uh, it's really nice to do this, to be able to connect virtually. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a shame we can't meet in person, but I'm looking forward to the meeting. Thanks everyone for tuning in again. Um, so as this is the last episode of In the Active Site, uh, we are now looking very much looking forward to meeting all of you at the Biotrance 2021. Um, yeah, still, if you have any feedback, we are happy to uh, read it, either post it on the Biotrance Twitter account or send us an email. Well, as this is the last regular episode of In the Active Site, today we will do our sign-off together, Matthias. Um, I'd like to take the chance to, first of all, say thank you to all the amazing interview partners we had. It was just a pleasure to meet so many great scientists, to be able to talk to so many great scientists. So for me, this was a, a great adventure. Yeah, it was really a blast. And uh, also we could uh, learn a lot uh, when we prepared the questions. So that uh, also was a benefit for us. And uh, yeah, it was uh, great to talk to so many uh, outstanding scientists. And uh, we are also very thankful that uh, every one of them took the time to talk with us. Also, I'd like to uh, say thank you to our audience, to all our listeners. Um, it's always great for me to check the numbers of people who listen to our podcast. That kind of is a already nice feedback. Well, yeah. see you all at the Biotrans 2021. See you all and uh, goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons by license, which allows rework and redistribution as long as credit is given and any adaption is licensed under similar terms.